In this edition of Locked On Capitals, I am joined by J.J. Regan of NBC Sports Washington. As we talk about training camp and what players are going to crack the lineup, we'll talk about the latest on Nick Backstrom and Tom Wilson. And then to end the show, we'll talk about what our predictions are for the Metro Division. We'll talk about all of that and more next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form, so head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So, like I talked about in this edition, I am joined by J.J. Regan of NBC Sports Washington as we talk about the very latest on the Washington Capitals next. All right, in this edition of Locked On Capitals, I am joined by J.J. Regan of NBC Sports Washington. J.J., welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. So uh, training camp is starting soon here. It is starting on September 22nd, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of roles open on this team, but uh, what are some of the matchups, or who do you think has a chance of cracking this lineup uh, Connor McMichael is a, a guy I'm most forward to looking forward to. Where does he fit into this lineup? I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, I've seen some people say he'll fill in on the third line center or perhaps fourth line left wing. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to? So uh, the biggest question in my mind is Connor McMichael and where he fits into this lineup. Um, you know, this is a team that's always uh, cash strapped. They're up against the cap always. And with Backstrom out and Wilson out, they had a little bit of flexibility, but they they took advantage of that by bringing in guys like Connor Brown, by bringing in Dylan Strom. Um, and then you look like a guy like Connor McMichael, clearly NHL talent, struggled a little bit last year in terms of winning puck battles. I think that was ultimately what led to him not getting as much time as people wanted to see. Uh, had some sh- struggles there, but you know what? At the same time, Lars Eller struggled too last season in his role at third line center. So I it looked like, okay, here's a team that needs to clear some cap space. Maybe we see Lars Eller moved in the offseason and Connor McMichael moved into that third, third line role at center. Uh, but that's not what they did. So it'll be interesting for me to see just where Connor McMichael will fit into this initial lineup. Maybe we see it be a fluid situation all year. Maybe he eventually ascends into that third line center role. But for now, it certainly looks like the plan would be coming in for Lars Ella to remain at third line center. And so the question remains, what does that mean for Connor McMichael and where he fits in? In terms of the other young players, I mean, this is still a team that, 
views itself as a contender. And because of that, it makes it hard for those guys to get into the lineup, especially when you go out and use, when you have openings in your lineup and you go in and you bring in more veterans to fill out that lineup. So it's hard to see where a guy like Axel Janssen Fialli will be able to crack the lineup. Hendricks Lapierre, he will probably benefit from a full year in Hershey before he comes in anyway. But, you know, in terms of, of, uh, you know, roster competition, it looks like they're pretty set with a few question marks towards the bottom of that lineup. Yeah, because if you look at it, I mean, uh, we can even notice this in the NFL season. Just how you have the season sketched out isn't always how it happens to be. You know, some teams seem stacked, and then all of a sudden you add a couple injuries, and it kind of changes the complexity of the situation there. So the Capitals, they went out and they addressed the biggest situation. That was the netminding situation. They didn't give it qualifying offers to Vitek Vanacek or Ilya Samsonov, and they picked up the biggest netminder, the free agent out there, in Darcy Kemper, and then they solidified his backup in Charlie Lindgren. Uh, so Kemper signed with the Capitals for five years at $5.25 million per season in 57 games in 21-22. Kemper went 37-12-4 with a .921 save percentage and a 2.54. He then posted a 10-4 record in a .902 save percentage and route to the Cup. Just starting with Darcy, how do you feel the Capitals will do this season with Darcy Kemper being their number one netminder? Well, he certainly makes them better, and he solidifies that position. There's not going to be a back and forth, and, oh, let's see if someone can take advantage of this role because the problem with that philosophy, as we saw last year, is, yeah, one of those guys may ascend to that starter role, but what happens if they don't? And, and that, that was the problem that we saw. Neither guy could establish himself as a true number one. And so the Cavs were left without one. You know, it's that old saying, if you have two goalies, then you really have none. Well, now now they have a goalie. Darcy Kemper is absolutely a starting caliber NHL uh, goalie. I know, yes, he won the Stanley Cup. And I know some people will say, well, look at the team around him. You, you can't slouch your way to a Stanley Cup. I'm not saying that they won because of him. Obviously, Colorado has a stacked roster. You know, may, maybe this year goaltending wasn't as impactful as it has been in recent years for winning a championship. He certainly didn't carry Colorado, but he was good in the playoffs. He was good for them, and he's going to be good for Washington. In terms of what he means for how well the team will play, ultimately, is he a guy who his presence makes them a Stanley Cup contender? No. He makes this team better. He solidifies the position in net. But how far the Capitals will go is going to be determined on the roster around him. And really, if you don't think that roster was good enough, like I do, this roster is good, but I just don't see them as a Stanley Cup contender. And I don't think Darcy Kemper uh, comes in and elevates them to that position. I think they're just a little bit too old to get there at this point. There are a little bit too many holes in this lineup at this point, too many question marks. Um, so he definitely makes them better, but I don't think he's the kind of goalie that comes in and automatically elevates them from playoff team to cup contender. Yeah, because when Darcy came to the team, everyone was kind of drinking at the Darcy Kemper Kool-Aid. And, and you know, I was too. I mean, you went out and signed the biggest name out there. There's nothing to really nitpick at out there. But if I'm going to pick some things that are a bit of concern to me, he has played 50 or more games just twice in his career, 57 last season and 55 in 18-19. And in parts of 10 season has averaged around 30 games played in 28 starts in 10 seasons. So, that um, is a bit of a question mark for me. 
Um, one of the things that isn't often talked about is he does have kind of a lengthy list on the injury list here. According to NHL Injury Viz, the 31-year-old has missed 83 games through injury since the NHL debut in 12-13 and 50 in the last two seasons alone. How concerned are you about that, that he hasn't necessarily carried the bulk of the mail for the teams that he's been on? And he does have quite a long list uh, of injuries. Well, you know, it's something to be aware of. Am I overly concerned of it? Not really, because I think he answered a lot of questions with with Colorado. I think his time in a team like Arizona, you think he still played well there. But when you're a goalie, you know, sometimes – people will look at and say, okay, that team is really bad. How much of it is because of the goalie? Because, you know, it's a one individual position. It's not really a team position. It's, you know, it's like the quarterback. It's like a point guard. It's the guy that people look to the most. I think he answered a lot of questions in terms of how good he can be and how far he can take a team last year. So am I overly concerned? No. Am I overly concerned about the injuries? No, because they, I, I think they have a lot of faith in Charlie Lindgren. I think he can be good to step in there. Um, so, you know, it's a concern and something to be aware of. Am I overly concerned about it? Not really. Uh, but again, this is coming from me from a perspective of Darcy Kemper makes them better, makes them a, a deeper playoff team. But will his absence mean that they won't win a cup? Probably not, because I don't really see them as a contender at this point anyway. Yeah, and that's interesting that you bring that up. There's, you know, all the, you know, NHL insiders and Caps insiders, beat writers, if you will, um, kind of are having that sentiment about their finishing as well. So you bring up Charlie Lindgren. Uh, he is coming off a standout season that saw him go 5-0-0 with a .958 save percentage and a 1.22 goals against with the Blues. And then he had that great run with the Thunderbirds. Uh, Charlie Lindgren, a bit of an unproven commodity. Um, but I guess, you know, they went with what they had. Some would question if they had that talent in Hershey in the form of Zach Fucale. So talk to me about Charlie Lindgren a little bit. Um, you know, there is a chance, and I, I hate to, to kind of uh, be negative about it, but say, for example, Darcy Kemper does get injured. It's then, in effect, going to be a Lindgren-Fucale tandem. And uh, if you saw one thing last year, um, you always have to have a really solid number three netminder. I don't think that Louis Domingue entering the playoffs was quite uh, in the script there for the Penguins there. So what are your thoughts there um, uh, on Lindgren and Fukale if called upon? Well, I'd also like to bring up Clay Stevenson, who was an undrafted free agent who they signed. He was highly sought after. So I, I don't think he comes in right away and becomes the number three just by signing with the team. But I think he's someone to keep an eye on in Hershey to see how he plays, to see if he can elevate himself to that position. A guy like Zach Fucale, you know, he looked great in the few games that he played in. He sort of got lit up in that one. I believe it was against Boston. Uh, he didn't get much help around him. So I don't know how much blame you want to put on him for that. But it was one of those guys, it, it just seemed like, he's one of those guys that the coaches see in practice every day. We saw something different in the games, but you have to remember that the coaches see him in practice every day. And he was a guy who never really elevated himself to an NHL level in their mind. He played very well with the opportunities that he was given until that one game against Boston. And it it kind of petered out. And, you know, does that mean he won't get another opportunity? We'll see. I think, uh, you know, bringing in a guy like Charlie Lindgren. Yeah. He's an unproven commodity. It, It, the sample size is, is pretty small. Uh, I, I think 
you know, this is speculation on my part, but I think there may have been a, a twofold uh, process there. One, he's an NHL backup. You know, he, it's not a question mark with him like it would be Fucali of how he would play. He, he's a guy who's been in the NHL the last few years. You know, he can be a backup there. And this makes it a, and the second point in my mind was this is a clear tandem of a clear number one and a clear number two. A guy like Zach Fucali, who has played a few games last year, you know, the backup goalie suddenly becomes the most uh, most popular player in town. I think a lot of uh, fans were charmed by what they saw from him last year with that few games. You know, the the uh, inconsistency of, of Samsonov and Vanacek and all of a sudden Fucali comes in and he looked great for that handful of games. You don't want Fucali to come in behind Kemper. Kemper to have a rough first month and then all the talk to be, when do we see Fucali? Should we see Fucali? How much and more games? You know, we need to see more of Fukali. Uh, you know, this makes it very clear. Lindgren, I think it can be very good. I think he's a very good backup, and I think they're in good shape there. But it's also, I think, they made a point of making it clear: this is Kemper's net. Lindgren is the clear number two, and then we'll see what happens b- below that. You know, because I think part of me remembers when Holtby was inserted in there and kind of just came in and like who the heck is this guy, you know? And I think that a lot of people, myself included, probably think back to that and go, is this the next Holtby? Because, well, it's good to be nostalgic. All right, so after the break here, we're going to continue to talk to J.J. Regan of NBC Sports Washington as we talk about Nick Backstrom, Tom Wilson, and our outlook for the Capitals. We'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting esports and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. And guys, if you haven't done this yet, it makes watching the games that much more exciting. Bet online where the game starts. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this edition, I am joined by J.J. Regan of NBC Sports Washington. Uh, the next thing that we're going to talk about here is Connor Brown in place of Tom Wilson. Connor Brown, top line, right wing is Wilson's replacement is how they have him penciled in, who has played seven NHL seasons for the Leafs and Senators, scored 10 goals and 29 assists in 64 games last season, posted a career best 21 goals, which he did in the 2021 season with Ottawa. Connor was traded to the Senators, to the Capitals for a 2024 second round pick, 10 goals last season. So just taking a look at him a little bit, $3.6 million cap hit. Um, but not a real apples for apples comparison as far as, you know, body size and the kind of game they bring. Uh, Tom Wilson's first season in the league was 13-14. Um, so he's had some more time in the league and uh, his career best or last season was 24 goals and 28 assists. But this is the interesting thing that I look at. Last season, Tom Wilson, 98 pin minutes and Connor Brown, 10. So not necessarily, you know, a tough guy, you know, like Tom Wilson. I don't think that Connor Brown is intrinsically a tough guy per se. Do you think that Connor Brown is the right guy for the job? You know, one of the things that Brian McClellan said is, is these players, that's where they're penciled in. What it is in actuality, I guess, remains to be seen. I guess you could say Anthony Mantha or someone like that uh, might fight him for that position. 
Yeah, I, I think Connor Brown, as you said, penciled in, and I think that's a good term for it. I think he's the guy who's going to come in and and be assumed as the number one. But as we've seen, Peter Laviolette doesn't always do what we expect him to or what in our minds makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised to see TJ Oshie get, get a few games there. Uh, he likes the combination of Ovechkin and Kuznetsov with Oshie. Uh, it, can he still handle a role at that age with all the injuries he came off, he came off of uh, last year? Remains to be seen. Uh, Connor Brown is insurance for that, that you don't have to rely on a TJ Oshie who is now 35 and what happens if he cannot handle that role at this point in his career. Um, I, if the, if Connor Brown does not work there, then you have a hole in the lineup. I mean, it's pure and simple because I'm of the opinion that TJ Oshie, a guy like TJ Oshie played great last year, but was injured all the time. And I know the conventional wisdom can be, well, now that he has an off season to get healthy, this season should be better. But at 35 years old, you have to wonder, is that just who TJ Oshie is at this point? A guy who's really good when he plays, but is going to be dealing with injuries throughout the rest of his career just because of his age. I'm not calling him old. I'm 35. You know, sometimes you just wake up and you've injured yourself. That's just the way it is at this this age. Um, so I, I, Connor Brown makes a whole lot of sense. I know Peter Laviolette likes promoting a guy like Connor Sheary, too, and putting him in the top six. Connor Sheary is a guy who will give you – he plays up to the role that you give him. If he plays in the fourth line, he's kind of invisible. If he plays in the top six, he plays a lot better than you would have anticipated. So I would not be surprised through the first – one or two months until they get Tom Wilson back to see some shuffling until somebody establishes themselves. Uh, hopefully Connor Brown can be that guy. If there's some struggle there, I would not be surprised to see Connor Sherry there. I would not be surprised to see TJ Oshie there. Would not be surprised maybe even to see Garnet Hathaway there and just see some shuffling to see uh, who can fit in and who can establish themselves in that role. Yeah, because the Washington Capitals definitely lost quite a bit of their sandpaper, if you will. I know they have Garnet Hathaway in the lineup, uh, who is always up for the challenge to chirp or fight. So they don't really have a lot of tough guys, if you will, in the lineup. I know Alex Ovechkin, if you really press him, will fight, but that's not really the game he plays anymore. There's um, also a guy like Beck Malenstein, perhaps, down in Hershey that could fill that role. Um, kind of that bigger frame out there. So kind of an encouraging sign is Wilson is believed to be ahead of schedule in his recovery from ACL reconstruction. So, um, you know, initial estimates were the end of December around Christmas. And now it's looking like it's going to be a little bit more towards the beginning of the month. Um, so the next player that the Capitals went out to pick up ostensibly to fill Nick Backstrom's position is Dylan Strom, um, slated to be the second line center in Backstrom's replacement. Uh, the Capitals signed him to a one-year deal, deal worth $3.5 million, the third overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft. So um, just taking a look at him, I think that on paper he seems to be a good replacement. Um, I don't really know why the Blackhawks parted with him. It seems like the Blackhawks are a bit of a dumpster fire that's burning out of control right now. So do you think that Dylan Strom will be a good replacement on that uh, second line center? I, I do. I like him a lot. I think he's a very good player. And I, I credit uh, Brian McClellan for being proactive with this and not saying, you know, hey, we got some injuries. We'll, we'll see what happens when players come back. And then, I mean, he, he's going for it. As long as, as, long as the team as long as their thought is that we're still contenders, I mean, he's, he's making moves like this uh, 
to bring in good players here. The thought that I have with this, um, the problem is, is that with a guy like Nicholas Backstrom, he's on LTIR to activate him. You have to make room for his money, his cap hit. So to me, bringing in a guy like Dylan Strom suggests that they don't think Backstrom is going to come back this regular season, um, which would be conventional wisdom. The surgery he had is very difficult to come back from. Very few players come back and play more than a handful of games mm. if they come back at all. I'm no doctor. I'm just saying that from past of what we've seen, it's very hard to come back from this. And when you load up your cap situation, as the Capitals have, that certainly suggests, I mean, they'd have to clear a lot of cap space to bring Nicholas Backstrom back this season. There would be a lot of shuffling they would have to do in order to do that. So I think this move was made with the thought that Backstrom may not be back this season at all. Uh, so to replace, you cannot replace Nick Backstrom and what he means to this team, but Dylan Strom is a good option out there. I like what he brings. I think he can be a very good player. I think he makes that top six still dangerous. Uh, and you know, he's a guy who, when Peter Laviolette decides that this team needs to shuffle, he's a guy who you can put into the top line and see how he plays with Ovechkin. You know, sometimes there's a, you get a second line center who is a middle six center and not a top six center. And so he, a guy like Lars Eller is a good example. When Lars Eller was in his prime, yeah, you felt good putting him into the second line when you needed to. But he's not someone that you would put in the first line. That, that's just not his game. That's just not his skill level. A guy like Dylan Strom, he, he's a top six center. So if you need to put him in the top line for, for a few games, you can do that. Uh, otherwise, I think he makes that, that second line dangerous. Uh, and it is a good replacement for what is a really tough uh, injury situation for Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah. And, you know, it's a tough situation with Backstrom. Um, you know, what I've heard is that he is at MedStar Ice Complex, uh, kind of work with the strength and conditioning coach there. Um, and ultimately, I think just to be there for the team photo. But if there's one player and we'll talk about him a little bit later in the show, but just to kind of tie this in is Nick Backstrom and um, the Alex Ovechkin connection. Backstrom has assisted on 274 of Ovechkin's career goals. Ovechkin has assisted on 106 of Backstrom's. Additionally, Backstrom has assisted on 117 of Ovechkin's NHL record 279 career power play goals. And, you know, I know they don't play on the same line together anymore. It's usually Kuznetsov on that top line. But Nick Backstrom and Ovechkin have that long history together. You got to be thinking to a certain extent that Alex Ovechkin is kind of bummed out that his, his best friend, I guess I got to say, on the team and one of the guys that's contributed to you know, really making Alex Ovechkin who he is today, he's got to be a little bit upset that he's not in the lineup. Oh, I'm sure. And you know, it, it really signals we've been seeing this for a while, but I think it signals the beginning of the end of this era of the Capitals. Uh, it's unfortunate to think about. Uh, you know, it, there were I know they haven't won a playoff series since the incredible 2018 run, but there were circumstances there. Todd Reardon looked overmatched as a head coach. When he was in here, uh, they had a lot of injury concerns in Peter Laviolette's first year, and they seemed to run out of gas. Uh, last year, when we started to see a lot of the players, a lot of the older players struggled to come back from injuries, just injury after injury after injury, and struggled to come back. And now Nicholas Backstrom out for the foreseeable future. I think it signals that that this team really is transitioning 
Uh, and and it, it's the beginning of the end of this era of the Capitals. And that's sad because, you know, for probably most fans out there, this is the this is the team as they know it. This is guys like Basham and Ovechkin brought them into the Capitals. I remember the old days before Ovechkin when the arena was half empty every night, even when this was a playoff team, even when they had a guy like Yarmir Yager and Peter Bondra and Adam Oates, and it was still a struggle to get the city to embrace this team. So it it's not just the end of an era. It's the end of the era that really made it a hockey town. Uh, and so th- that's sad to see. Yeah, and it, it's crazy to, to think about that, you know, the end of the quote-unquote rock the red era, if you will, uh, for the Washington Capitals. But, you know, we got to proceed. You know, father time is coming for us all. And as we're, we talked about, we're all getting older. So are the players on the ice. All right, so after the break here, I'm going to continue to talk to J.J. Regan. We're going to talk about Alex Ovechkin and his goal chase. We'll talk about our outlook for the Capitals season next. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this edition, I'm joined by J.J. Regan of NBC Sports Washington as we talk about the Capitals. And the next one on the list is Alex Ovechkin. Uh, Ovechkin um, went home in the offseason, kind of a risky move, but was able to come back. Um, So I'm glad that that was the case. Could you imagine this Capitals team without Ovi in the lineup? Um, so just taking a look at Ovechkin, Ovechkin now has 780 goals. He's 21 away from number two, Gordie Howe, and 114 from number one, Wayne Gretzky. He could very well pass Howe next season, and Gretzky the season after, if he keeps up this crazy pace, it won't be easy as he just turned 37. So, J.J., what is your outlook for Alex Ovechkin? We all hope he can, you know, at least beat or, um, you know, uh, Gretzky at some point here. What is your outlook for Alex Ovechkin? Yeah, you know, I've given up a long time ago of calling for Ovechkin to decline. Uh, You know, people have been calling it for years and it never seems to happen. Uh, So, really, the number that people should keep in mind this year is 29. I know everyone's looking at how, but the number is 29, because if you look at his contract, he has four years remaining on his contract. If he averages 29 goals per season, he will beat Wayne Gretzky. Uh, And the other thing to keep in mind, it's not just getting to 29. It's that if you beat 29, then it just brings that average down even more. I mean, Alex Ovechkin at some point is going to decline. And so you have to ask yourself at the age of 40, Will he be scoring 29 goals? Last year, when he came into this contract, the average was 33. And with his 50-goal season last year, he was able to bring that average down to 29. Will he be a 29-goal scorer in the NHL when he is 40? I think that's more realistic than 33. Uh, and every goal that he gets over 29 brings makes that even more realistic. I mean, 29 is not unattainable, especially the way he plays. Uh, you know, you can just park him on that power play and have him shoot away and hopefully he'll be able to get to that point. Um, but that's the number that I'm keeping in mind because, <clears throat> you know, as I said, if he surpasses that number, it just brings the average down and makes it more and more realistic with every goal that he brings that average down that he will be able to beat Gretzky because at some point he's not going to be a 50 goal scorer in the NHL anymore. If I had to predict, you know, at, at 37 years old, I'm not going to predict that he's going to score 50 goals again. I, I have a hard time betting against it, but I, I can't sit, sit here and say that I'm going to call it. But I also don't think that he's the kind of guy whose production is suddenly going to fall off a cliff unless there's some injury concerns that keep him out of the lineup. 
I still think he can score between 40 and 45 goals. I still think he's that dangerous. I still, I mean, he's going to come in with a top line role. He's still going to be playing with a guy like Evgeny Kuznetsov. He's still going to be getting the power play time. So I think he can still be a, a plus 40 goal scorer in this league at this point. I, I don't, I, I know some people, once they pass 30, the production just falls off a cliff. I really do not see that in him. Even if he's not going to score 50 anymore, I still think we could see in the, the 40 to 45 range. Yeah, because, you know, you see him getting older and older every year and that gray hair is creeping in more and more. But, you know, I don't want to make the comparable, but take a look at someone like Tom Brady, for example, who is just totally defying everything out there. So maybe if we could hook Ovechkin up on some of that TB12, uh, we could have him uh, for a longer duration here. So you talked about it a little bit earlier in the program here about um, thinking that the Capitals aren't, you know, a real playoff contender or a Stanley Cup contender. Um, some of the favorites so far are the Rangers and the Hurricanes. How do you see the Metro division shaking out this season? Well, it, it's going to be interesting. I think the two clear uh, basement teams are going to be Philadelphia and the Islanders. Philadelphia, I have no idea what they're doing, what their strategy is. The, and John, bringing in John Torrella, I know he has Philadelphia written all over him. But this situation feels a lot more like Vancouver Tortorella than New York and Tampa Bay Tortorella. This just has complete disaster written all over it. The Islanders overachieved, overachieved, overachieved under trots. And then the one year they underachieved, they got rid of trots. And so it's hard to see what the direction is. Plus, they didn't get better in the offseason at all. So I don't know what message you're sending to that team where you're just getting rid of the coach who brought them all this prestige and, and legitimacy and then didn't help out the team at all in the offseason. So I, I think they take a step back. Uh, Columbus and New Jersey are going to be really interesting. I know Columbus made it, brought in Johnny Goudreau. Uh, the way they were playing last year, it was hard to see where they were going, where they were headed. Don't forget, this is the coach who pulled their goalie with 12 minutes left against the Capitals. So are they in the right hands there? But I think they're going to do challenge for a playoff spot. I think New Jersey is a team that every year we look for them to challenge for a playoff spot. Uh, I think Carolina and New York are the clear front runners for the division. I like what Carolina is doing. I like the direction New York is going. The real interesting team to me is Pittsburgh because they're the team that has been parallel with the Cats for so long. I don't know why there is always such optimism for Pittsburgh uh, and where they are headed versus the Capitals when neither team has won a playoff series since 2018. Both teams keep getting older. Uh, this year, the Capitals got better in the offseason. Pittsburgh really didn't. I think that says a lot about their head coach. Um, I think he's probably the best coach in, in the NHL. Uh, the fact that they think he's still going to be able to, to keep them as a playoff team. But I, I see the Capitals. I think they're going to be competing for the third spot in the division perhaps a wild card spot. I think they're definitely a playoff team. I think Darcy Kemper solidifies them as a playoff team. So I, I don't think, I don't see them as the last team in like they were last year, but I don't see them challenging Carolina or New York for the top of the division either. Yeah. I mean, just kind of taking a look around there, I was surprised that the Islanders didn't really make any moves. I mean, they were linked to Goudreau and Nazem Kadri and to cut ties with, with Barry Trotz just totally boggles my mind. It seems like he gets a cold shoulder wherever he goes. Also the Washington Capitals. I still cannot totally understand that one. So before I let you go here at JJ Regan, why don't you tell our listeners uh, where we can find your work? 
So uh, I'm on, at NBCSportsWashington.com, uh, and I'm on Twitter at JJ Regan NBCS. Usually tweet out everything I write. Going to be taking a more editorial role this year than uh, writing, but uh, we, of course, will still be carrying the Capitals as always, and I'm still will be heavily involved with the team and, and tweeting out and uh, watching every game. So definitely still going to be involved with the Capitals, even if uh, I'm not writing as much as I was in previous years. All right, that was J.J. Regan of NBC Sports Washington. Always fun to have him come on the show and talk a little caps with him. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all NHL things all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked on Capitals. My name is Dan Holmey, where it's your team every day. I'll talk to you again next time.